Hey, Pete the Planner here. Um, listen, I've been working on something for 15 years, and I'm so excited to introduce it to you. It is called Hey Money, and the whole point of it is this. You should not have to pay thousands of dollars a year to talk to a financial expert about your financial life and to get answers to the questions that you so badly need. And that is why we created Hey Money for about 20 bucks a month. We can help you with all aspects of your financial life, short of investment decisions. That's right. I'm just telling you how it is. Don't call us and say, hey, should I invest in this or that? That's not what we do. And let's be honest, those aren't the questions that keep you up at night. We can help you figure out how to get out of debt, to pay for college, how to uh, put together a budget, how to do all sorts of things. If you like this show, which of course you do, that's why you're listening, then get Hey Money. And I've got a special offer code, 10% off radio. Use the offer code radio for 10% off for podcasts and radio listeners only. Go to callheymoney.com. That's callheymoney.com, offer code radio. Good day. You're listening to Pete the Planner. This week on the Pete the Planner Show, we answer your money questions. It's been an interesting week, y'all. Uh, so we're going to break it down for you here on the show. Here's how the show works. You email us, askpete at petetheplanner.com. That's askpete at petetheplanner.com. And we answer your financial questions on here, this very podcast slash radio show. And by we, it's not some big royal sweeping statement. There's another person involved. And his name happens to be Damian Dunn. He's the vice president of advice at Your Money Line and Hey Money. He joins me now. Hello, Dame. Hello, Pete. Your team over the last couple of weeks has answered hundreds and hundreds of questions from people all around the country about their financial lives. So throughout the show today, we're going to talk about some of those trending topics. Obviously, the biggest trending topic is the recession and the stock market. Uh, but uh, there's some more nuance to it than that because of things like unemployment, right? Sure. Yeah, it's... Uh... Yeah, it's something that we uh, always say in conversations, you need to be prepared for something bad. You need to be prepared for something bad. Well, guess what? We find ourselves in something bad. So if you weren't prepared, what do you do? And I think we can maybe hopefully shed some light on that topic. Good day, Pete and Damien. Hmm. I have heard you, Dame, I just started an email here. I didn't oh. like it weird. Yeah. I've heard you talk about shoring up your personal balance sheet during this pandemic. So what do you think about lowering my 401k contribution percentage to increase my savings? I'm 33. My wife is 31 and I have two kids, four and five Irish twins. My base salary is 125,000 American devalued dollars. I added that. Nice. My wife said, uh, stays home with the kids while I work outside the home. Probably not. Because here's what I know. <laughs> During this uh, here broadcast today, you're going to hear my kids in the background, and you may hear Mrs. Planner in the background. Dame, at least you're in a barn. Yeah, I've uh, I've got relative silence, but I do have a flock of ducks outside my barn right now. So Is that a euphemism, or is there literally waterfowl outside of your door? I'll send you a picture. Uh, uh, all right. Um, I currently have three months of savings in my emergency fund, and my power percentage is 27 percent for regular listeners, by the way, you know that that is pretty darn good. I contribute 11 percent to my 401k, 100 per dollars per month to an IRA, 
$5,000 annually to 529 accounts and maximize my health savings account, but I use those funds for medical expenses. The question is, should I take my 401k contributions down to the match, which is 4%, and increase my savings throughout this year? I would plan to put the difference in my IRA and a spousal IRA toward the end of the year. I have no reason to think my job is in jeopardy this time, but this time period is pretty cray-cray. He's put crazy, but I wanted to hip it up for the kids. With this change, I would have a couple extra months of emergency savings by the end of the year. Thanks, Corey. Hey, man, um, go ahead, Dame. You're the you're the big VP of advice here. Oh, it must be good times for you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's nothing but uh, unicorns and lollipops right now. All right, what do you got? Uh, so uh, did we catch uh, – did you say this gentleman's name or did we go Corey? nameless on this one? Corey? All right. Uh, did Corey also share what he already has set aside in an emergency fund? Three months. Three months. All right. So he assumes a little bit of job stability. Fantastic. Happy for you, Corey. Um, if you are more comfortable uh, decreasing that 401k contribution uh, to the match, I I'm glad you're still going to contribute uh, just to bolster your savings. Uh, I don't have any problem with that, especially right now. We've seen People who didn't anticipate being out of a job are out of a job. And if you want to uh, try and give yourself some cushion, yeah, go for it. And I really like his plan that he's got set up already that if, if uh, he gets to the end of the year and he doesn't need that money, he's going to contribute it to the IRA. I think he's done a lot of forethought on this. And man, I have a hard time saying that's a, a poor choice of actions there. Yeah, it, it's interesting because technically there's a there's a different technical answer, and you know that, right? Sure. The, the technical answer is keep it exactly where your 401k contribution is, and arguably increase it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. Um, but I think these are unprecedented times, which is really a, a tough thing to say. And I, I, you know me, Dame. You know I hate saying that. Because every market event, 2008, September 11th, all these times always feel unprecedented. That's why they sneak up and bite you in the backside. They're unprecedented. You mm -hmm. didn't see it coming. Sure. However, um, this one's a little different. I mean, we're, we're talking about unemployment numbers that we have not seen since 1933. Um, that, that is my main concern in these situations is employment stability. In a perfect world, uh, he stays the course with his 401k contributions. In fact, I, I would, I don't know. I don't disagree with you, Dan, because it is a, it's a different time. I'd prefer him keep him the same, but I like his additional alternative plan, which is to save it and then still put it in his IRA at the end of the year. Um, the other thing you can do if things get really better and more stable for his employment, he can make the decision any time between now and, in the end of the year to not only uh, keep his 401k back or take it back up to the normal level, but even to take it higher to make up for lost time. Sure. Cause he'll have the savings that he's uh, already accumulated to offset the the slight decrease in income due to the increase in 401k contribution. So he's got some, some options that, you know, I'm glad he's got, uh, he's, He's done a great job with his power percentage so far, which which also leads me to believe that this is a reasonable solution for him as well. Um, so I, if he wants to go for that, I, I have no problems with him taking that approach. Yeah, I don't. I don't either. Um, again, I'd prefer him stay the course, but I don't have a problem with him reducing it. 
but I would have a problem if his solution involved taking the current invested assets out of the market for protection. That is a really bad idea right now. Totally. Uh, the one thing we want to make sure you know, we've communicated consistently, and I think we have, is that you don't make a huge error until you start to sell everything into a cash position because you're scared. Um, if you can maintain your investment allocation or portfolio, uh, stay invested in the market, even though it's just absolutely tanked and you're probably queasy and your stomach's tight in knots, you're making a potential tragic mistake if you get out of the market at this point. And I can't emphasize that enough. I, I agree. And I feel like that is an increasingly more difficult message to deliver because people are dealing with so much short-term pain that available money or seemingly available money seems like a solution in the form of taking a 401k loan or withdrawal. However, Dame, what we know is if you do that, you will guarantee long-term pain. It is a 100% guarantee. 100% guarantee. Sure. It's it's almost it's almost counterintuitive for some people uh, because they see things trending one way and they think, well, I got to stop the bleeding. And in most cases, that might be right uh, in other areas of your life. However, in this particular case, you got to stay the course. And if that means you got to call and vent to somebody or you got to you know, just stop looking at your statements, I mean, that's a huge one. I, I don't look at my statements during times like these for sure, but I wouldn't do anything anyways. But Man, that's if there's one bit of advice that I can give you, if you are nervous, just stop looking at your statements for a while. I've not looked at my statements. I think Mrs. Planner opened one the other day and just it was a smaller account and we sort of wanted to guess with it. Um, but I just, yeah. And, and, and you know, well, here's what I want to do after the break, though. We're going to ask uh, we're going to answer a bunch of questions that have peppered in through the course of the week. Talk trending topics as it relates to this recession, which is what we're going to call it. But I, I really want to focus our conversation when we come back of why individual stock holdings at this time pose a tremendous amount of risk as opposed to diversified portfolios. So we're going to do all that coming back after the break. I'm Pete the Planner. This is a, a rough week. We're going to get through it together. Appreciate you listening. So coming up after this break, more on stocks and the economy. I'm Pete the Planner. Back on the Pete the Planner show, answering your questions as it relates to uh, the current meltdown we're in. Dame, how long? I don't mean to be irreverent with this question. Uh, how long until we name it something so we know what to call it? I mean, we're just sort of calling it the recession right now. Uh, what, what, what should we? I'm not trying to name it, but how long before we have a name for this? Is there any way we could sell naming rights to somebody? I don't know. The financial pandemic? I mean, that's actually pretty good. That's not bad. All right. So, right before the break, we were talking about this idea of you know exposure and risk and and, and asset allocation, uh, Dame. I think I know some companies are going to go bankrupt in the coming months. Some big companies, uh, whether they get bailouts or they don't qualify somehow, but there's going to be bankruptcies. And if a person 
whether the person works for that organization or just happens to be a fanboy and invests a lot of their money within that organization, they're going to lose everything. And uh, so I guess what I want to focus on right now is the importance of diversification in times like this. We try to talk about it in good times, but it becomes painful to talk about in bad times. Where do people get diversification wrong uh, when it comes to stock holdings? Like where, where, where does it where does it start to go wrong? One of the easy ways that I think people think they're diversified, and it, I can understand why they do, is let's say they they really like uh, tech stocks, and what they'll do is say, "Well, I know it's not." intelligent or my best bet to go out and maybe just put everything into Google. So I'm going to own a, just a, a tech ETF or a, a tech mutual fund that owns you know tens or hundreds of, of different tech companies. Well, great. You are technically diversified. However, you're all still in one sector. So if the tech market goes down, well, everybody's going to go down with it. You haven't spread your dollars out over a number of different areas or industries or even countries at that point. So uh, don't focus necessarily on just one company. That's that's a recipe for well, usually a bad thing to happen to you. But don't just focus on one industry either. I think that's one of the common ways that people go wrong. Yeah, I agree. It's also maybe an opportune time to talk about all the controversy around the stock buyback programs that have been going on. I, I do. I, I think it is fair for me to, to point out Dame that you, you literally have been on the phone nonstop for two weeks with calls. And so if you are not completely up to speed on some market activities, I get it. It's because we don't deal in the market. Um, but have you been following the buyback stuff at all or the controversy surrounding it? Um, I'd seen some some uh, blurbs on it about uh, companies spending money on buybacks and now they're struggling and they're going to want to bail out and that's not probably a very kosher thing to do. Let's talk about what that means, uh, ideally from an objective perspective. So when a company has a bunch of cash on the books, when their balance sheet is fat and it's got a bunch of money uh, and it doesn't feel good about its stock price and it wants to, you know, support its stock price, it will buy back its shares to increase the stock price to drive it higher for the shareholders and, and for itself. And in doing that, typically, Dame, you look at who is a company, who is an organization beholden to? Are they beholden to their customers? That's an interesting question. Are they beholden to the people that serve the organization in the form of employees? Or are they beholden to the people who own the organization in the form of shareholders? And a lot of the controversy uh, revolves around the idea that if these organizations are so cash heavy, why weren't they paying their people more during this good economic time? Why were they sitting on so much cash? And by the way, Dame, here's where the frustration really kicks in. Had they just sat on the cash instead of trumped up their stock price, they would not need a bailout and they would not have to lay off all of these people. So it was arguably the greed to drive up their stock price and to deliver to the shareholders that got them in that position. Does, does that frustrate you or do you chalk that up to it's just the way it is, man? It frustrates me. I, I think they could have done some 
alternative things with the cash they were sitting on, uh, maybe increased dividends uh, for for their shareholders if if that's what they were concerned about, you know, making a return to their shareholders. We'll just pay it out. That's fine. Uh, if they were concerned about longevity for their business, which they clearly weren't, uh, they could have. Uh, invested it in other ways to make make sure they were prepared for times like these. Whether that's just sitting on cash reserves to to aid their uh, operations when when times get slow, uh, they could have they could have done a number of things. And you know, doing buybacks, yeah, it's all right, but I don't see the use in in doing that too very often. Yeah, I feel like remember in the last recession, two thousand eight. The Main Street versus Wall Street narrative was uh, everywhere. And there is that sort of frustration this time around. I haven't seen it as much, but Dame, part of me thinks that's because people are hurting so bad, they haven't had time to point their fingers and blame anyone yet. Yeah, and I'm surprised there's been as little of that, that back and forth as we saw the last time around because it's it's very much a thing this time as well. And I, it's, you're probably right. I, we've looked at the, the calls that we've had uh, on your money line uh, recently. And while we've been very busy, I'm surprised it hasn't been more busy. And I, you and I have talked, what's, what are we waiting on? Or what's, what's the, uh, the final thing going to be to make people realize that, Ooh, things are, different and, and we need to start making some plans for the, the coming weeks or potentially months going forward. So uh, there may be some paralysis still uh, in in the public just trying to figure out what's going on and what needs to happen. Yeah, I, I th- that's a really astute point because uh, there's two things there. It is worth noting that you know corporate America did not necessarily cause what we're going through right now, but some of their practices certainly did not help. I mean, the the buybacks make this problem worse, but it's the pandemic that has has led us to this moment. But you are exactly right, man. Pe- I'm convinced a very good portion of people still don't get it. Like what is happening, not only with the pandemic, which is a different issue that we choose not to talk about on the show, because Dame, we have no expertise. None. Uh, but with the financial pandemic, which is what people are calling it, um i don't think people get this yet i I don't think people understand uh last week the jobs report was roughly two hundred thousand and change of people filing unemployment claims early estimates for this coming week uh, from goldman sachs have it over 2.2 million people which is roughly 10 percent of the adult population in our country filing unemployment and another one in four which is 25 percent of people have had their hours reduced in the last week. Dame, these are 1933 unemployment levels. Yeah, I was about to say uh, before you so eloquently made that point that there was going to be about 2 million people that really understood what was going on and probably double that that have a really good inkling of what's going on, even though it hasn't necessarily fully impacted them yet. So it's, it's going to be different. It's just going to be. It hasn't caught up. It hasn't shown up entirely in the economy yet, but it's going to be. There's no way around it. Yeah, let's do this. Uh, coming up after the break, um, let's. We, we've been peppered with questions all week because that's what we do. We're not complaining. Uh, we, we were literally built for this moment, and I could not uh, understate that anymore, right? 
We have literally built our company for this reason. Uh, but we're going to talk about all the questions we received this week. What are the trends? What scares us? What are common questions? And so much more. I'm Peter Dunn, Pete the Planner, CEO of Your Money Line and Hey Money, joined by Vice President of Advice for those organizations, Damian Dunn. If you have questions, you can email them to us, askpete at petetheplanner.com. That's askpete at petetheplanner.com. This is the Pete the Planner Show, and we'll be right back. Back on the Pete the Planner Show, answering your financial questions. Dan, we got a ton this week. I want to hit some of the most popular ones and some of the most pressing ones. Uh, by the way, if if you're not currently a fan of Hey Money on Facebook, I highly recommend you get on there. We're doing a 30-day live stream. That is not live streaming for 30 days. That is doing a live stream for 30 days. 2 p.m. Eastern every day, weekends too. We're doing a live stream. It's a 30-day recession-proof your finances. It is free. You just have to go to Facebook, type in Hey Money at the top, like the page, and you will see the videos and you can go back. If you're not a Facebook person because you don't get down with the Zuck, I get it. Go to youtube.com slash Pete the Planner and you can catch up there as well. Dane, we've had thousands and thousands of thousands of thousands of people participate in that. And uh, I'm glad we have the technology to pull that off. Thank God for home studios, right? Indeed. All right, dude, I'm going to hit some serious questions here. Uh, but it, it, real quick, it, it matters. Your team's done a, tr a tremendous job this week, and all the people who are not at the tip of the spear, people who are not on the advice team at our office has done a tremendous job because to serve the hundreds of thousands of people we serve, it takes a monster of a team, and we're all doing it remotely. So kudos to you and your team, Dave. I appreciate that. I uh, I know that we are kind of the the tip of the spear on on that, but without the support of the home office folks managing all the the back end operations, uh, we wouldn't get the opportunity. So it's been a true team effort. My emergency fund is minimal because I'm paying down consumer debt. Should I start making minimum payments on consumer debt to get to three months, three to six months of emergency fund? Dang, this is a great question because a very popular method for paying off debt involves getting $1,000 in your emergency fund mm -hmm. and then aggressively throwing discretionary income towards your lowest balanced debt. Uh, people call this various things, a momentum method, a snowball method, whatever. But Damon, times like this, why I think the snowball method can make sense if you pivot is because then you should now be stacking money in your savings account and paying minimum payments on your debts for the next few months. Yeah, I totally agree. I think you can do something very similar to what Corey was doing, in fact, in the in the first segment. Save some cash. If we get through this thing where you don't need it, put it right back into the debts and attack them that way. So make sure you're taken care of first, make the minimum payments on the debts next, and reassess when things calm down. Absolutely. But make sure you're, some people don't listen. So make sure you understand, still make the minimum payments. Totally. <laughs> We're not saying let your debts go, still make the minimum payments. Just don't pay over instead of, you know, if your, your minimum payment's 49 bucks and you typically pay 150 on that, which is arguably good uh, during normal times, don't pay 150 now, pay the 49 bucks and pocket the 101 in your savings account. Yeah, That's a really good question. All right. You're going to need the 100 bucks to go buy a couple rolls of toilet paper. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I don't have savings. I have income tax money that I was going to use to pay off a couple of bills. Should I stick with that plan or should I start that savings account? Where do you, where do you go with this? Savings account right now. Absolutely. I, I mean, everything's, there's always a caveat to everything. I mean, they know their situation a little bit better if they've got total job security. But if, man, even if they do, if they don't have that savings account, uh, that's that's step one, man. Have a savings account and then worry about paying off those debts. Any thoughts about dwindling 401k and IRAs when I'm in my latter 50s? Was hoping to retire in five-ish years. Dame, here's what I've been saying this week about this one, and I hope I'm wrong. I always hope I'm wrong because <laughs> sometimes I deliver ugly advice. <laughs> uh, they're not going to retire in five-ish years. Not going to happen. I, I Maybe seven-ish. And they shouldn't just dump out of the market to save the day. That That's where this gets counterintuitive to your point in the previous segment. Your, your gut says, oh, we're struggling and I don't want to sacrifice the long term, so we better stop. They should talk to a financial advisor and get allocated properly. But a 32% dip since the February high as of today, as, as, as I should say, as of pre-market on Friday, because that's when we're recording, because that's all the time we have time to record, Dame, because you're on the phone all day answering questions. Sorry. Well, no, I'm not complaining. I'm, I'm, I'm pleased. Do you agree with that sentiment that if if someone's in their latter 50s right now and they planned on retiring in five-ish years, that it is seven, seven-ish years? Or, or are you not as dramatic as me? I well, would you start, are not as dramatic uh, as me. Yeah, I, I would encourage people to try and reframe their time period for retirement. Five may be possible, but it's very likely going to get pushed out a little bit. And as you've said a few times that I've seen, coming to terms with that now is much uh, is, is a much better position, much better mindset than just retiring anyway. Yeah. Retirement is a career finish line, but it is not a financial finish line. Uh, the people that, and, and, and you don't know, I'm not saying people are dumb or anything like that, but how would you know that? How would you possibly know that if you've never retired before? Good question. I don't know. That's what I, you know, that's what this whole thing we're dealing with right now. This is a big part of the struggle is that people have never, and I, I, I hate this uh, phrase, I'm about, this quote that I'm about to give you, and I, I really don't like it, but it really works. You know, the old Mike Tyson thing, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No one has been through this before. No one living, right? Except the one guy's like, where's my crayon apple juice? Like that guy's been through it. No one, none of us else have been through this. So when people react and do what they think is best, it doesn't go well because they don't have expertise. They're doing the best they can. And I'm not judging them for that, but they're still doing something wrong. Well, even the people, Mr. Cran apple juice, think how different everything was Yeah. at that point. I mean, the, the financial industry, the, how things were transacted, pensions were around 401ks were not, there's just so many changes to the previous time this was experienced in our country to now it's, it's almost apples and oranges or crane apple juice. Have you caught yourself looking for short-term fixes? I'm talking macroeconomically here, not for the people that we serve every day. Have you started looking at what could be potentially short-term economic fixes and band-aids and then quickly realize what deep long-term jeopardy that puts us in? <laughs> Um, I, there, 
I mean, the one that, that keeps get, getting kicked around right now that looks like it's going to happen is the the direct stimulus to to people that the government's going to push out. Um, I, I think there's some benefits to be had, but I'm curious as to what the long term ramifications are going to be going forward. I don't know if if you feel differently about that or not. I feel like it's almost the opposite of what we're trying to do with our financial lives right now, because we have to save people short term because there's just no income, but there are long-term ramifications of doing that. And I think one of the the big challenges with this is the Fed's monetary policy is supposed to help with this. And they have to consider all sorts of things, inflation. They have to consider uh, you know what employment looks like. One of the big challenges we've had in the last few decades is we've had low unemployment, but wages have not gone up, right? And that plays into this because if if Fed policy was working correctly, as unemployment goes down, wages should go uh, up to some degree, but it hasn't happened. It hasn't, and you know we can stand around and point fingers at each other and in, in different different groups on why that is, but. It's just the fact of the matter where we're at right now. I, I think maybe maybe you said something about the sooner we realize that it's everybody that's in this uh, this predicament right now, not not Democrats, not Republicans, not independents, the sooner we start working towards a real solution. And I, I wholeheartedly stand behind that. Yeah, let's do this. I don't know, even know what segment we're in. Uh, is this the third segment of our I show? I believe so, yeah. Oh, my God. Let's come back. Let's talk about the stimulus. Let's talk about means testing and why that relates to this whole thing. I'm not so sure I want to do a bomb this week, but it'd be breaking a 10-year tradition. So we might have to do a bomb and then talk about means testing. I mean, if you're going to break a tradition, it should be in times like this, but I just need that comfort. Dane, what's the earliest in the day you've had a cocktail this week? Uh, No comment. (laughs) Do do I have to list it in Eastern time? Ah, Greenwich means time. Uh, All right, coming up after the break, the biggest waste of the money of the week. We're going to find something. And uh, let's talk about the stimulus and means testing and why that matters. I'm Pete the Planner. Hey, this is our show. This week's biggest waste of money of the week right here on the Pete the Planner show is... Jose's Gourmet Tinned Tuna is redefining canned fish. A far cry from chunked in water, their tuna is caught straight from the Atlantic and come in full fillets packed in Portuguese olive oil. Their packaging sets them further apart, arriving in custom illustrated boxes. Currently sold out, back in stock soon. (laughs) Wait a second. (laughs) I have never in my life, Damien, ever been to this site, which I go to, and for 10 years, I've been going to this site to find these items. And I've never seen a sold out item, yet we're in the midst of an economic pandemic. And that's what people are calling it. And it's sold out and it's canned fish. Nice. It's $19. For a can of tuna? Yeah, it does look delicious. But I mean, I had some chunked in water this week and it worked out just fine. Is, uh, Is Portugal known for their olive oil? Uh, yeah. I mean, Spanish olive oil is great. Portugal's right there. I mean, well, you have to say Portugal's not Spain. I mean, that's right there. We're basically Canada, you know. Uh, have you ever been more pleased in your life to have freezer beef? 
No, <laughs> I, I don't have freezer beef. And so like, I've been thinking about you all week of people like there's no food. And you're like, hashtag freezer beef. Yeah. I, my wife and I had the conversation that if worse came to worse, we'd just go on a carnivore diet for a little while and, and we'd be all right. But uh, we'll, we'll make We'll manage. You just get a stent on the other side of the, the economic pandemic. Yeah. I mean, carnivore is real thing. Dame, let's talk about the stimulus package. So again, Friday morning, we're recording currently. It's 9.06 a.m. There's been a couple uh, proposals. The GOP put out a proposal that personally, uh, regardless of politics, I think misses the mark. I'm not sure politics is involved because it cuts out so many people on the top end and on the far bottom end that it doesn't make sense. And it makes me feel like it will... Uh, exacerbate the problem because of means testing. Can you help us understand what means testing is? Sure. In in this particular case, they're going to look at, well, the proposed case, they're going to look at income returns, uh, tax returns from 2018, I believe was what I saw. And they're going to judge based on the number of people in your household, both adults and uh, children, to try and figure out how much you should get in a, an economic stimulus directly from the government. There are a couple problems that, that are presented with this approach, aren't there, Pete? There are. You've got people who have since transitioned out of a previous relationship. <clears throat> Divorce. You've got people who were in the corporate sector who then went to start their own business and be one of the great entrepreneurs in this country. And when you do that, uh, your economy changes, right? You, maybe you were making a buck eighty a year. That's one hundred eighty thousand dollars in cool guy talk, uh, and now you're making forty five because you were willing to take that risk. And by the way, you're currently not getting any income. And I think that's my big frustration around this game is if I'm making forty one thousand dollars a year, that's four one thousand dollars a year, and uh, the recession hits like it just had, the economic pandemic, and now I have zero dollars in income because I can't get hours and my business is closed, I need help. If I make $141,000 a year, that's $141,000 a year, and I have zero income right now, I need help. And that's what frustrates me so much about this is that wealth is not about income. Wealth is about assets. So if someone has a high income, relatively high to someone's tastes, that doesn't make them wealthy. And anyone who is in San Francisco or LA or New York who is out of work may be making more than the threshold, which is $99,000 before you're completely phased out. And they are completely left high and dry. And people on the low part of the income scale are only getting $600 according to this plan. So I don't, I don't get it, man. What, what does it even really matter to include those other people and get them help now? And for people like me who, you know, I'm above the threshold, I've got savings, I'll pump the money right back into the economy because those other people who need the money are just trying to get out of the hole. They're trying to get back to even. So the money needs to go to people like me so I can stimulate the economy because they're not stimulating the economy. They're just getting back to even. I'm really frustrated. It's terribly frustrating. I'm not sure... It's hard for me to believe that in a room full of elected officials, somebody didn't stand up in the middle of this process and say, this doesn't make sense. We're missing some huge groups. So there are entrepreneurs, I'm sure, in in that that meeting of some sort who have hands-on experience knowing that your income is variable 
at least if you care too much about the success of your business, it will be variable for a while, especially if you're just starting. Uh, people on either coast who understand that the cost of living is going to be drastically different on the coast versus the middle of America, and that could potentially cause some issues with people receiving benefits. It's just, it seems so short-sighted or no-sighted, if we're going to be blunt, that it's a horrible plan. I don't know what they were thinking. And here's the rough part. In order to get it in shape, in the shape that it needs to be in to be put out to the American people and make a difference, they're going to have to bicker and argue about it, which means it gets delayed. I mean, best case scenario, if they have something decent, they approve it today and then checks go into people's hands within just after three weeks. And then the plan was to do it again three weeks after that. Uh, Dame, they're going to they're not going to get this done anytime soon because it's such a horrible idea right now that every day matters. Rent is coming due in uh, it takes the 22nd that this airs. So rent is coming due in oh, 10 days, 10 days rent is due and it's going to take 21 days for these stimulus checks to get here. Rent and mortgage payments are due in 20 and 10 days. This is what freaks me out is the timing matters right now. Do you think the government gets stimulus checks cut to the public first or we get a vaccine for COVID-19 first? God, I like the gallows humor was nice there. Sorry. You know, and I, I'm not an anti-government guy. I, mean, I just, I don't have time to worry about any of that. But I can say this. If the majority of the country is suffering financially due to income and employment instability during these next few months, it kind of gives you a different perspective when the people making decisions around this have all the stability in the world because we're the ones paying them. Yeah, I, I've... <clears throat> excuse me i've, I've heard uh just, and not necessarily eavesdropping but as, as you're you know out in public when you have to be you hear the frustrations of, of some people as they're they're talking to you know somebody in a, an aisle way at, at at a grocery store or something and there is demonstrated frustration with leadership of again it doesn't matter if there's an elephant or a donkey behind your name there there is frustration everywhere right now and reasonably so in my estimation i don't know what's going to happen i do know that it's like a inspirational movie though that there's chaos throughout and the way through it is that people got to come together and realize that we're all in the same boat. I, I think so often right now, too, we're seeing people who are, uh, you know, ignoring people that make more money or have more money than them because they're not in a bad situation. Or you've got people who have a little better situation that refuse to emote their feelings because out of some sort of, you know, mystic uh, martyrdom to the people who have it worse. And And I think it's okay for everyone to feel and it's okay for everyone to uh, do what's best for them, but we also have to do what's best for for all of us. And and it is, I think that's the complication of this all. You know, again, we're in uh, a phrase we hate saying, but we keep saying unprecedented times, and we've got to find a way to deal with it. And bottling things up probably isn't going to be the way to do it. So find somebody to vent to and talk to and get through this. If you want to have someone help you through this, you know, walk through your situation. That's why we created Hey Money. You can go to callheymoney.com. 
Offer code radio will give you 10% off. We're 20 bucks a month. That's why we did it. Not because we're trying to make millions of dollars because we want to be accessible. So check it out. Send you good vibes because good vibes are all that's in the budget, especially this week. I'm Pete the Planner. Stay safe. Thank you.